My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, they will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it but found none, he said to his gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to them in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. If you were a little confused listening to that Gospel, it's not really your fault. It started really kind of suddenly with those words. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. And then that followed quickly with Jesus sharing another story talking about 18 people who were killed when this Tower of Siloam fell on them. It's almost like we've been dropped in mid-conversation hearing people talking about what were in fact two horrific incidents that had all of Jerusalem talking 2,000 years ago. So just to give some context, the first story was about Pontius Pilate, the same bad guy who sentenced Jesus to be crucified. Well, he was pretty horrid even outside of that eternally remembered crime. What happened was some people were angry that the Romans were using their temple funds for other building projects that the empire was doing. And so they started having these protests and these demonstrations and rallies about that throughout Jerusalem. So Pilate sends in these soldiers disguised as protesters among the crowd, and at an appointed signal, they took their their clubs out and started killing massive numbers of them. That was awful story number one. The other incident was this terrible construction accident that had caught people's attention and was a headline at the time because 18 people were killed in that accident. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's what the sun people coming to Jesus were getting at in telling them the story. And that's what some of us want to know as well. 
We hear, we read, we know stories of a a natural disaster, a, a criminal act, a debilitating illness, or some horrific tragedy. And in the face of of human suffering and catastrophe, eventually we come to that question, why? A couple of years ago, this this horrible story caught my attention about this 78-year-old woman named Hannah Hernan. Her husband of 60 years ago had, had recently died and she had went to the cemetery to visit the husband's grave. Vulnerable, Grief-stricken, she didn't even see it coming. This robber who was waiting and stalking her. As she walked to her husband's grave, this this man jumps out, mugs her, steals her purse with $700 in it. Why? What did she do so wrong? She's trying to wrestle with the reality of death and the grief that accompanies that, and that's bad enough. But then to have something like this happen, it's enough to make anyone question, where is God? Or even more, is there a God? Because the thinking goes, if he is real, he sometimes got a sure, weird way of taking care of his friends. And that's why the people that were coming to Jesus, that's what they were getting at. Some people at Jesus' time probably some of the ones in this gospel story, assumed or they believed that, well, obviously, God hadn't protected them from these calamities because they must have sinned. They must have done something in God's eyes which resulted in Him taking His eyes off of them. And if you only take one thing from this homily, if you only remember one thing, let it be this, that no, Jesus is very clear to say how wrong that argument is. And he expands on that point by asking, do you think that the people who suffered Pilate's evil, do you think that the people who died in that construction accident were bigger sinners than those who happened not to be at that demonstration that day or not at that construction site the day that that accident happened? He's trying to to break that mentality that believes that God's doling out punishments or rewards, that somehow the bad things that happened and the good things that happened in this life are directly attributed to our sins or our good deeds. And we need that reminder too. Cancer afflicts good and bad people. There are very innocent and holy people who are killed in an earthquake, just as well as murderous criminals. And just because we're at Mass today doesn't mean we're going to ace that test or find that job or or win the Powerball on Wednesday as much as we all want to do that. So we're back to that question of, well, what's the point then? Does this mean God doesn't care? If He's not going to take care of us when we're good and get even with those who are bad, then why relate to Him? Well, part of the problem is that we know in our own lives that sometimes we're good and sometimes we're not. We're not perfect. We make bad choices. We, we do evil things. When we choose to sin, that sin affects other people. And one temptation is that we try to convince ourselves, well, I'm not as bad as blank. And we can fill in that blank with people or, or different sins that we know of. But my nasty gossip or my bullying someone that causes some unseen wound that that person carries around for years later 
that can destroy someone's self-image, that can be pretty devastating to that person. And the reality is our Heavenly Father cares intimately and personally for each and every one of us. So he's concerned about that one person who in the, in the depths has that pain of those wounds just as much as he's worried about that someone who's killed in, in a shooting spree at the hands of a madman. Or that poor widow, Tana Hurden, attacked and mugged as she was just going to visit her husband's grave. So we won't have those satisfactory answers to the question of why. Why do we encounter such random evils? which are just a part of this brokenness of a world that's sometimes corrupted by sin. But Jesus uses this opportunity to say to us that we can control our own personal disasters. And that's why God doesn't dole out punishments on our sins in the day-to-day. He's given us this life, and even more, he's given us this moment to change. And that first reading today, God reveals himself to Moses and he says that his name is I am, which can sound sort of confusing. So another way of understanding the meaning of God's name is I am the one who will always be there for you. And for the Jewish people, their whole history gives testimony to that, that yes, evil still happened to them. Sometimes because of the sinful bad choices they made, And sometimes because of the sinful bad choices that others made. But in all of that, they always came back to that promise that God would lead them out of their affliction, out of their slavery into the promised land. Well, in Jesus, the God who has always been there for us comes a step closer, even more than a step. God becomes one of us and dwells among us and stays with us. And Jesus is not denying the bad and horrific things that happen to good and to bad people. But he's clear that that evil isn't coming from his heavenly father and how saddened by sin, saddened by evil, God is. And that's why he sends Jesus to come and save us from it. So Jesus, the son, comes to remind us that we need to get things right ourselves. And that's what this whole season of Lent is about, to repent of the evil that we've done, to turn away from our sinful ways and the bad choices that we make and to turn back to God. So maybe we need to experience God's love through going to confession and just acknowledging our sins and and experiencing the healing that comes from that reconciliation as, as God removes all those places of darkness in ourselves so that his life And his light can start to be reflected through us once again. For Tana Hurden, the widow that was mugged at that cemetery, that happened in a very profound way, which made this horrible story so newsworthy and so memorable to me. The criminal who had mugged this poor woman in in that graveyard, thanks to Tana's description, was arrested pretty quickly. And the son of the robber is a 15-year-old boy named Christian. And he saw the story on the news and he recognized the mugshot being his father. His parents had divorced at a young age and his father hadn't been really present throughout his life being in and out of prison over the years. And there was a lot of things that this, this young kid Christian could have done. He could have ignored recognizing his father in the story. It's not like 
anyone is asking Christian about it. He could have allowed those actions of his father abandoning him and hurting others to, to fuel his own anger. But instead what he did was he asked to meet Tana. And he said to her that he believed on behalf of his family that he needed to apologize to her for what his father had done, saying, if I didn't apologize, who would? And then he reached into his pocket and said that his father had recently given him $250 so that he could go on a, a trip with his school and added, I don't know if this is yours, but I'd feel bad if I didn't give it back to you. The woman accepted the apology that he didn't have to give and the restitution that the young man didn't need to offer and quite beautifully said to him, well, this is my money to do as I want as she handed the money back to Christian to go on the trip. No, we won't find satisfactory answers to the questions of human suffering. But we're reminded that God has given each of us whatever is necessary to answer the call to becoming the solution to the problems. Because there are signs of God's love are evident as we reach out and we help one another amidst the worst of times and become the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes, life is hard. There's no doubt about that. But because of God's love for us, he gave us Jesus to show us how to live and how to shine his light. So instead of us asking, why do bad things happen and where's God? A better focus for us in life may be to ask the question, what does God want me to do about it?